You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, pardon the interruption, but just a quick message from me to let you know about the leadership survey we have just placed on the website. Here at The Great Coaches, we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, but we have gone back to the transcripts of the more than 200 great coaches we've interviewed to identify their key leadership traits. We've then created a survey of 20 questions to help you compare your leadership style to theirs. It's free, only takes a few minutes to complete, and should help you find areas of relative strength and weakness. If you'd like to know more, check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Welcome to the Lessons from the Great Coaches Podcast. I've learned that you don't do it alone. You learn so many different things from so many different coaches. That's an elite learning environment. Failure is not a problem. How you deal with it is a problem. How to be resilient. How important it is to infuse joy in the process of learning. To be a good coach, you've got to give more than you take. What an interesting life it is to be a leader. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership And so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. As the podcast has grown, the great coaches we've interviewed have shared so much insight and wisdom that we decided to create episodes dedicated entirely to the ideas that have resonated with us the most. Today's episode focuses on the topic of mindset, and we're joined for the discussion by Mark Zimmerman. Mark is a mindset coach and works with sporting teams across Australia and his homeland, South Africa. His passion is rugby and he has great energy. The parts of our discussion which resonated with me the most were how he defines mindset as your mental outlook and how that either helps or hinders your performance in a professional or competitive sense. The analogy he uses to explain how your mindset is the software that powers your hardware and the interesting link between the collective mantra a team might use and their mindset. And just before we go to the interview, if you enjoy what we do here on the podcast, then head over to our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. There you will find loads of audio and video content that is exclusively on the website. You can search through it, download it and share, and hopefully bring a different context to the challenges or questions you and your team might be asking themselves. And now, please enjoy our interview on Mindset with Mark Zimmerman. You're listening to the Lessons from the Great Coaches podcast. Mark Zimmerman, good afternoon and welcome to the Great Coaches podcast. Good afternoon, Paul. Thanks very much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to chat with you, Mark. I know that we've been communicating for a while trying to make this happen. So I'm really excited to learn all about Mindset from you today. But Mark, something really simple to get us going. Where are you in the world and what have you been up to so far today? Well, uh, Paul, today I'm in Sydney. I do travel a fair bit for my for my work, um, but I'm enjoying uh, – yesterday was a public holiday in, in Australia, so we, um, I've decided to stick around in Sydney. And, and I'll leave Sydney this afternoon um, to head down the south coast. I've got a client down there which I'll be um, spending some time with. Wow, terrific. We're glad to get a little bit of time with you then before you head off again. Mark, I know that rugby is your passion, but you also 
uh, work across all sports. And I'm really intrigued to kick us off. What is mindset in the context of high-performance sport? Yeah, well, that's correct. Rugby is my passion sport. And after studying and um, coaching for, I think, the better part of six years, um, I found that there was a, a, a sweet spot in sports. Um, I was able to bring my, my learnings in from the corporate world, my learnings through studying coaching, um, and applying it then into my, my passion, which is rugby union. But but you're 100% correct. It's not just rugby union. Um, mindset is is something that we, I, f- I feel we can easily apply to uh, any team sports and individuals. So in the context of your question, what is mindset? Often people stumble on that question because it, it sounds a lot easier than what it is to answer. So let me, let me have a stab at it. I think from a, a mindset coach's perspective, Mindset is your mental outlook and how that either helps or hinders your performance in a professional or just a competitive arena, right? So that's what mindset at a very basic level means to me, right? Um, Again, within that competitive sport um, arena, mindset also is what enables some teams or individuals to have what often we refer to as the edge. What is the edge we have over uh, our competitor? And I also think that mindset is having that ability to be comfortable within yourself and accepting that there is no professional sport or sports person that expects 100% perfection 100% of the time because if we look at reality, even the world's best, number one in any sport, you'll find we'll make a mistake. So mindset is the ability to be comfortable in knowing that and then creating an edge over your competition in that mental headspace and having the ability to have an outlook that helps you in your sporting journey. This might sound a bit straightforward then, but with everything else an athlete has to focus on, their health, their body, their diet, their preparation, why is mindset so important and something they should focus on? That is probably the most primary question we get asked when when engaging with new teams or individuals in that high-performance arena. It's a great question. Mindset is important. I think I love this analogy. Actually, I'll come back to this analogy now. The analogy is when we go out and buy ourselves, we treat ourselves to a new smartphone and we take the the phone out the box, essentially the hardware that we're holding in our hands is a high-performance machine, right? Now, that high-performance machine might be the latest model. It might be able to do unbelievable things, but that machine cannot operate unless it has software updates, right? And this is the analogy I use when speaking to coaches and clubs and and teams. So if we think of ourselves as high-performance athletes or our team as a high-performance team, the hardware is the team or the individual, right? But it's the software that enables this titanium made out of steel individual or team 
to operate at its optimum best. You can have the best, if we use rugby union as, a, as an example, you can have the, the best scrum team. You can have the best back line. You can have the best tight five. You can have the best center combination. You can have the best kicker in your league or in your division or wherever. But if the, if the individual or the team to collectively are not in the right aligned mindset and headspace, they will never be able to operate that machine to its, to its true and full potential. So why is mindset important? We, we have to accept in that analogy that mindset is the software that enables the hardware to operate at its best. And that means m embracing mindset before you have to perform during a performance, as well as after the performance, which is the phase when we learn the most, because it's your performance has become past tense at that moment. And if you are a high-performance athlete or a high-performance team or in any competitive environment, we all know that teams that embrace continuous improvement as one of their mantras are the teams that go on to, to succeed more often than not. And consistency and discipline come together in that space where we call mindset, right? That's that's the sweet spot. I hope I've answered that question correctly, uh, Paul. I think I think that's what you were asking. Why is it important? No, you did answer it. You you said something interesting there. You said the right and aligned mindset. So my first question is, what is the right mindset? And the second question. How do you align mindsets across an organization? That, that is a very, very tricky thing to do. As individuals, we struggle to find the right mindset sometimes, depending on what's going on in our personal lives. We all, you know, we all have things going on in general. Um, so aligning mindsets is a tricky thing because we have to take it back a few steps. We try and understand not just the alignment of mindsets. Often I would say to a coach, or coaches, um, what are the values that this group of individuals are aspiring to live by? Have we even defined our set of values? What is our, our team mantra? Do we have one? Where is this team heading? What are the key milestones? If we reverse engineer those key milestones, because they will differ from team to team and person to person, it's only once we understand, we break everything down to the, to the bare roots of it that we can then begin to align. If we don't know what the common objectives are, what the goals are, what the milestones need to be to achieve those goals, if we don't understand what our values are, what our mission is, it's very difficult to create an alignment because you have no context or a base from which to build alignment from. So what are the types of mindsets? Well, you know, we, we, I think uh, we, we all heard of this growth mindset versus fixed mindset. We'll touch on that shortly. Um, but I feel fundamentally it's the, the key to aligning mindsets is understanding human beings. And at its absolute core basic, 
coaches will often call me and say, we've got a great bunch of players, you know, whether it's you know, girls' rugby, women's rugby or men's rugby, it doesn't matter. They've got a great squad, great talent, and there may be a misalignment between the coach and the coaching team and the actual high-performance team. There might be a misalignment between within the team. From season to season, as players get swapped in and out, you may feel that you've ended last season on a high and coming into this season, all it takes is one or two characters to come into the into the new team to um, either disrupt or, or dilute a particular kind of culture or alignment that was already existing. So we do work. We do a lot of work with the individual to understand the individual. We then do work with the with the leadership teams to under to ensure that it's being communicated to everyone what the expectations are, and that it's very clear, because you cannot create alignment if there's a lack of clarity in and amongst the squad. Mark, can you? Tell me about the routines or the mindset routines that you put in place to help people prepare for a competition or an event. Routines are routines are good and bad to a degree, right? It's, I guess it's like behaviours. You get good behaviours and bad behaviours that serve you well and some don't serve you well. Routines are very similar. And I'll explain why. It's very difficult to um, expect a team to perform well if a routine is very set in its way. And then the team, let's say, for example, has to travel to an away game and the, the routine gets disrupted. So what we, what we try and do is we, we try and formulate the basis for good habits and, and, and very simple routines that serve the individual and the team very well. But we also prepare the team for the curveballs outside of the routine, um, especially teams that, that go on tour a lot, that play away a lot. Um, routines are important for the basics. It's things like starting well. Starting well doesn't mean let's wake up at the right time and get to the game early enough. That doesn't mean starting well. Starting well means what happens in the days leading up to a high performance um, or a big game. Are you sleeping well? Are you consuming the right foods? Are you consuming alcohol? Are you getting enough rest? Have you had enough downtime? So the, the routine of starting well, we focus a lot on starting well. And, and starting well, then the next layer down from that means well, give yourself more than enough time because the pressure is already going to be upon us. What we want to avoid is unwanted pressure. Let's not get there late. Let's not, let's not you know, do our research on what happens when we get there. Do we know where we need to go? Do we know where we need to be? So routines are, are important because routines form a part of structure and structure and discipline go hand in hand. The kind of routine that doesn't serve us well is a routine, for example, that leads to us having an unbalanced inner voice. 
if we have certain habits that don't serve either our own performance or the team's performance or not aligned with the team's goals and values, that inner voice that we often listen to um, becomes too distorted in our minds. And now we come back to that word minds. The mindset and routine needs to be exceptionally well balanced. And, and you know, Paul, not all coaches in sports have studied psychology or have studied coaching in mindset or have or have got enough experience to 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 there might be exceptional coaches when it comes to technical coaching but this business of of establishing strong routines not not you know and and strong habits is not something that all coaches are are familiar with well, indeed, many of them describe themselves in interviews as amateur psychologists, uh, and I guess the emphasis is often on the word amateur. But that's pre-competition. But how do you help people with their mindset in the competition, in the heat of battle, on the field of play, or perhaps even in the boardroom or in the meeting room? How do you prepare them for those moments? Very, very simply, um, the halftime talk is a very powerful talk, and I think often it's what you don't say that counts the most. There's a lot of psychology involved, I believe, in, in, in building mental toughness and, and mental strength. The example I'll give you, Paul, is if a team is behind at halftime, and I think one of the coaches I worked with used this example, and, and it, it resonated so well with me. I use it a lot now. If a team's down at halftime, we look at the team and we say, what's the score in the second half? nil-nil. It's nil-nil. Right? It doesn't matter whether you're behind or not. The score in the second half is nil-nil. The second question I ask is, does everyone know what their role is? Does everybody understand what their role and function is? It's a simple question, right? We don't have to overcomplicate it. And the third question or statement I make in the changing room or on the side of the field is, do you remember when? It wasn't too long ago, or it was just last season. Do you remember when? When we were in a similar position. And Jason did that quick chip and go. Caught the opposition off guard and we, we were back in the lead within within 10 minutes. Or when Katie did that amazing dummy in the midfield and we got the ball out to Susie very quickly and she scored in the in the far corner. Like it's reminding why we are here, what our roles are, that someone has had enough belief in you to put you there in the first place. So now you have to have belief in yourself. It's a simple reminder. And when I talk about nonverbal communication, that's very powerful as well. Because when you've got a five-minute or ten-minute halftime break, doesn't matter what sport it is, could be any sport. Your nonverbal communication is just as important as your verbal communication. It's it's just smiling. It's ensuring that the team understand. Yes, there's pressure. Acknowledge that the competition's strong. They're a strong side. We've never beaten them, or we've beaten them once, or we haven't beaten them in a long time. They're a strong side. We knew it, but we've we've prepared for this. 
do you know what your role is? Do you know that you were picked because we believe in you? And it's sometimes then, when I, I come back to the nonverbal communication, the nonverbal communication is important because the coaches that appear to be um, very emotional, in other words, the opposite of, of um, cool heads and hot hearts, those coaches, that anger, that, it doesn't really serve. And it's, it's, it's difficult to regulate your emotions, right? We'll talk about emotions in a bit. But nonverbal communication is absolutely just as important as what you say. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Professor Eric Knight, the Executive Dean of the Macquarie Business School, and he's just stepped out of the classroom. So, Eric, what skills do you think leaders need to develop today to impact tomorrow? I think tomorrow is going to be digital. So the skills that we need in leaders is one, strategy, so that they can see the outside world and understand all the changes that are playing out. But two, a people skills so they can work with people's inside world and motivate them to be able to see the issues that matter and find ways through so that we solve those problems together. Thanks, Eric. The master's programs at the Macquarie Business School, designed to empower you, challenge you and transform the way you think. Well, let's, let's talk about emotions because they are elements of our personality that fluctuate wildly when we're in uh, competition, when we're in stressful moments. We can get changes, and those changes can cause problems to those around us. So when it comes to managing emotions in critical moments, have you found some techniques that work better than others? There's one very simple technique that, that I feel – is probably the most effective and and it's a question I ask of an individual or of the team. And that question is, have you given permission to anyone to trigger an emotion? And I'll pause and I'll wait to see how that question gets processed. And more often than not, if the silence is a little bit too long, I'll ask the, I'll repeat the question. I will say, did you give permission to anybody to trigger an emotion? By the way, an emotion which is impacting your performance. And if they say, no, coach, I'll say, well, if you haven't given permission, why are you enabling them to trigger an emotion? And it's a very powerful question to ask because you can almost see in the eyes of the person you're engaging with that they're going, well, I haven't given. And then if we have to use an example, if, if we've got a little bit of time, I, I think cricket has the best example of, of where sledging is a big part of the game. When you're a batsman out there in the middle of an oval, imagine you're at the MCG or you're playing, you know, in the subcontinent. You've got 100,000 people in a stadium and you're, you're, you're one of two batsmen out there. It's a very lonely place to be for a professional batsman, right? And the sole job of the bowlers 
and the and the wicket keeper is to um, to try and put the batsman off kilter. And one of the ways they do that is through sledging. They're trying to trigger an emotion without permission, right? And I think cricketers give us the best example of how to deal with that. And there are examples throughout the, the professional era where we know certain certain batsmen could never, ever get around the fact that they were enabling someone to trigger an emotion. And there were those that could just switch off and ignore it. So that question, when it comes to emotion, that's my go-to question. Did you give someone permission to trigger that emotion? An emotion? And if the answer is no, I'll say, well, there you go. If you didn't give permission, why are you enabling it? Permission denied. Rubber stamp. Move on. You, the minute you don't enable or f uh, enable that behaviour, it, it'll it'll run out of oxygen. It has no option. You kill it. Mark, I know a lot of the work you do with athletes is is one on one. But is there an example of an athlete or a team that you've worked with and you've helped them? Improve doesn't have to be monumentally. It could just be a couple of steps forward with some of these tools that you've talked about today. Yeah, there's you know I coach, <laughs> I coach all the way from under eleven, you know grassroots team with boys and girls, um, some of which have got special needs, some are on the on the autism spectrum, some with a high range ADHD. So whether you're talking about under tens, under elevens in rugby union, all the way through to junior wallabies. I coach, you know, players that are in, in that junior wallaby squad. I coach players that play super rugby. And I coach some of Sydney's and Australia's top schools and, and as well as top coaches. When it comes to emotions, this is something that I, I, we get asked a lot. The techniques, we try and keep it simple. I mean, we often forget the most, the most basic solutions to things in life is to not overcomplicate it, right? So you take a group of of uh, professional or competitive sporting individuals or a team, and I just say to them, when last did you practice your breathing? And they go, they look at me like I'm, I'm insane. They go, what do you mean, coach? I go, well, when last did you practice considered breathing? When last did you go on a guided breathing course or, or YouTube session with one of these guided breathing? You know, there's so much benefit to just getting your breathing Correct. It, the, the ripple effect it has on, on oneself, on your psyche, on your way you think, or how, how you compose yourself, under how you – everything to do with just breathing alone is an incredibly powerful tool when it comes to creating balance before a high performance is required. We, we actually rehearse creating um, extreme noise and pressure and – trying to put someone off when they're, when they're about to throw a ball in the line out or take a kick. So the whole team will, will go and stand around the person who's about to take the kick and we'll make as much noise as we can. And, you know, there's always a bit of banter that goes maybe a little bit, you know, too close to the mark, but we're really trying to put our best two kickers off their game. And the only way we can do that is to replicate a hostile environment. So rehearsal is important. Breathing is important. 
when we talk about other other techniques outside of asking, you know, the, the question about did you have permission to trigger an emotion, it's remembering your mantra. Now, Paul, this is probably one of the most powerful tools that I've stumbled upon in recent months is particularly in a one-to-one. I would have watched a player over a few um, performances and I would make notes about the things that I feel are hindering their performance. I'll then write down between five and ten statements and I'll sit down and I'll read them out to that to that athlete and I'll ask them to pick just one. One that just one that they can take into that sporting arena with them just before kickoff starts. And the reason I do that is because as humans we try to process a lot in a competitive environment. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Quite often it's not our opposite number that's our biggest competitor. It's ourselves. It's us versus us, right? To be better today than we were last week and be better next week than we were today. But if we take one mantra into a competitive arena with us, it can feel at times like the wheels are falling off. But if you've got your one go-to mantra, your one comment, your one saying, your one your one snippet or nugget of gold that you can hold on to, it immediately at a subconscious level first and then at a conscious level enables you to reset, balance, and then proceed at, at a high performance level. And that for me has been one of the most impactful techniques that we've used because, and I know it's impactful because I now receive messages straight after a high-performance game from roughly half the team saying, Coach Zim, that mantra I went onto the field with today, that was the difference between why we won and why we didn't lose or why I had the best game I've had all season or why I played so well today. And that nugget of gold for me. And it's also, you know, Paul, we have to, we have to appreciate that I think I mentioned it earlier on the start of the podcast. There's no such thing as getting things 100% right 100% of the time. We have to be comfortable with that. So it's not the act of making a mistake that we get judged on. I say to any athlete, it's what happens immediately after that counts. No one's going to remember the tackle you missed or the, the, the kick you missed or the the ball you dropped, but they're going to remember what happened straight afterwards. Did that then ruin the rest of your game? Did you in, enslave yourself? Did you confine yourself to that? Are you replaying that on a repeat loop in your mind? Because if you are, you need to let it go very quickly. And that that's a key. That's something we work a lot on, is understanding that mistakes happen. It's what happens immediately after that counts. So tell me how you do that. If I was to work with you and we were in your office there, how would you work with, I'm not an athlete, I guess, so maybe it's a bad example, Mark. Maybe we should take a young rugby player that you're working with. (laughs) Well, that's that's easy because I ask the young rugby player, who's their their rugby idol? Who do they they, um, aspire to play like, right? And it's 
it's always wonderful listening to the answers because you get an array of answers. Right? But let's say someone says, for example, oh, well, you know, my, my hero when I was growing up was, you know, Jeremy Paul, right? Uh, he's won World Cups, he's won Super Rugby title, he's won Bledisloe Cup. So great. Jeremy Paul is a great athlete. He's a good friend of mine, by the way, Jeremy Paul. And, you know, you might be able to say, well, did Jeremy ever make any mistakes? Sure he did. But why did he keep getting selected? It's because what happened after the mistakes that impressed the coaches so much. You know, when Ben Donaldson, um, at the end of 2022 season, only came on for the last five, ten minutes of the Wallabies game, and he missed a, he missed a kick. It was his first cap, first run-on for the Wallabies. He missed a kick. Ben's a great kicker, by the way. But it wasn't the act of missing that kick that ruled him out of Wallabies' selection. Eddie Jones has picked him. All right? Eddie Jones picked him for the, for the World Cup squad. So I always say to any person, who's, who do you look up to in the game? Or who do you look up to in life? Because if they say that person didn't make any mistakes, I go, well, then if they didn't make mistakes, well, how did they learn? Because for me, the greatest opportunity to learn is from our mistakes. So we're creating perspective here, Paul. We have to create a perspective for the professional athlete or athletes or emerging athletes to understand that making a mistake is a part of how we grow and learn. And if you're not making mistakes and learning from them, then how can you create a point of perspective from which to grow? Mark, you have such passion for the topic. You also have a lot of passion for rugby. I know that you coach a, a young team here in Sydney and you work with, with professional players. You cover all the whole gamut and all the layers of rugby, but perhaps just one final question, and I guess I'd like to know what the legacy is that you hope you're leaving as both a coach of younger athletes and as a mindset coach to these emerging and present professional players. Yeah, Paul, I feel that this journey we're on in life, it's, um, you know, our professional sporting careers is only a small portion of that. So the skills I'm trying to instill into the grassroots level um, at, at, at sort of at competitive level and then at professional level. And then actually more importantly, it's what comes after the final games played and you then no longer either able to or, or can play the sport you love. For me, it's instilling life skills into people's hearts and minds that enable them to enjoy their their playing path, their playing careers, um, and that they set up for a very enjoyable life after their final games being played. And I would say this, in terms of legacy, legacy is a word that many people don't understand what, what legacy truly means. But if you're going to create a legacy, I, I would like to be known by anyone who I coach as someone who didn't just help them on their sporting journey. I've helped them in life with basic life skills to build resilience, to build mental toughness, to build mental strength, to have a healthy mental um, mindset. 
for me, that legacy all comes down to bundling it all up together and for them to remember Coach Zim and the team at On The Mark who helped them not just on their sport, but in life in general. Their, their communication skills, to understand themselves better, to interact with each other better, to respect themselves and each other better. That for me would be a great legacy. And it's funny that you say the word legacy. There's a great book here called Legacy, which travels with me everywhere. I've read it a few times. And because um, legacy is important. There's no two ways about it. And that's what we, we're trying to create. For me, it's making the difference on and off the field for the women and men and the boys and girls who just enjoy playing sport. That for me is legacy. I think that's a pretty good place for us to finish, Mark. I thank you so much for your time today. I've enjoyed le learning about mindset. I've enjoyed getting to know you as well too. And I look forward to meeting you somewhere soon for that beer we talked about. Thank you so much, Paul. I really am looking forward to it. Don't worry, it's my shout uh, because you're an absolute gentleman. Thank you for having me on the podcast. And to all the listeners, thank you for your time as well. Hi, everyone. You have been listening to the Mindset Coach, Mark Zimmerman. I hope you got a lot out of Mark's energetic style and found a couple of ideas that you can bring back to your own dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table for discussion. All the details on how to connect with Mark are in the show notes. And just before we go, please drop us a note. We love the interaction with the people around the world who listen. And so if you have any feedback or comments, let us know. And if they're positive ones, then please let your friends know too. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com.